on, everybody? Elliot here. New episode of No Huddle Show. I'm with Matt. We're at the Novacare Center. And 49ers this week, we were just talking right before we hit record, like, this team, I mean, there's we, we've been lucky each week. There's been a lot of storylines, you know, with the Panthers on primetime, uh, you know, division games, last week's game, obviously. This Niners game, I mean, Doug and Carson have both talked about making sure the team gets up for the moment. There is not a lot of excitement going on with this Niners game in terms of matchups. No, the only thing that you can really point to, Elliot, which could keep this game relatively close, in my opinion, is the Eagles' offensive line, which is going to be a new look with Vitae in there, Halapulaviti Vitae at left tackle, Lane Johnson staying at right tackle against a Niners front seven that has number three overall pick Solomon Thomas, first-round pick Eric Armstead, and they can get after the quarterback, but... Outside of that front seven, there's just not a lot that makes you worried about the Eagles tripping up in this game, especially after the way they went out and they came from behind and had another real complete victory over the Redskins at home on Monday night. Yeah, so I think that as opposed to actual matchup, a lot of what's been going on this week has just been obviously the loss of Peters, the loss of Jordan Hicks, which we've discussed now at two podcasts. Um, I guess maybe one takeaway I have from those two losses since we recorded is I do think the loss of Peters is a bigger loss. Look, I think Hicks... I've made the argument he's the best player on this defense, which people can disagree with me. That's fine, but I'm I. This is not an anti-Hicks opinion. It's just it's 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 going to be easier for them to hide the loss of Hicks, and it's going to be for them to hide the loss of Peters. Is it though? It, it well, if Vitai doesn't play well, if, if Vitai doesn't play well, let's say they they go out this Sunday and Vitai really struggles, what do you do? You make a trade for Joe Staley. I mean, okay, well, me... I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, that's fine. Right. But like the and... backup set, the back of the tackle. Say Amalu is not – I don't care what people say. First of all, I don't think he's a very good player overall. But I don't think he's he's going to be an answer at tackle. And Taylor Hart, who the team signed this week, I mean, it's a miracle he's still in the NFL. And I can't even believe he's on this roster as an offensive tackle. Well, my, my it literally is, boggles the mind that he yeah. would that's, – that's who they signed. When you consider the fact that they needed when – you, when you're replacing – look, you're not going to replace Jason Peters, and you're not going to sign a tackle off the street – at this point, because tackle is such a hard position to find in the NFL that anybody that's half decent is out there. But the fact that I, I just think it would have made so much more sense to sign somebody that has played the position at the NFL level before, because if Vita doesn't work out at that point, you just need a safety net to, to stop that position from completely spiraling out of control. And I'm not disputing maybe Taylor Hart does have some potential at offensive tackle. I mean, he clearly was not a defensive tackle, but maybe he has some potential potential offensive tackle but if it comes to the point where Taylor Hart who probably won't even dress this Sunday but if it comes to the point where you have to put him out there this team is in serious serious trouble take take a breath relax <laughs> we talked about this yesterday off the air that the Eagles are going into this game for whatever reason with 52 men on the roster right because right? they Hicks, haven't yeah. put Jordan Hicks on the IR yet and eventually that's going to happen ruptured Achilles you're not coming back from that so I was thinking about this on the drive in today that uh-huh. You bring in somebody that you know, somebody off of your emergency list to get by this week. And I think that that's why Taylor Hart was brought back. Obviously, the coaching staff came away impressed in but the season. But how does Taylor Hart... Hang on, okay, hang on. Right, hang on. Right. I'll Go get there. I'll okay, get there. All right. Taylor Hart knows the system. If if Vitae goes down, if something happens on Sunday where Vitae gives up four sacks in the first quarter, and you, you realize then and there that he is overmatched against Solomon Thomas, then you put Taylor Hart out there, and you put Brent Selleck there, and you put a running back in there to chip because he knows your scheme. The reason that I think that they haven't made a roster move is because they're using this Sunday against the Niners as an open audition for Vitae. Mm-hmm. And, and if he fails, if he struggles, you have one more game against Von Miller, which is a huge game, and, and it's an elite pass rusher. Make no mistake about well, it. Well, he might be against Lane, though. 
He might, but, yeah. but, but but here's my thing. You then have one game, a bye week, and a full week to prepare before the Dallas Cowboy game, and you have the trade deadline not until Tuesday. So that extra roster spot mm-hmm. that you have, that you haven't filled with a linebacker, that you've waited to put Jordan Hicks on the IR for, maybe the Eagles are using Sunday to evaluate Vitae, and if he struggles, maybe you pull the trigger on a move for Joe Staley. Maybe you offer a fourth-round pick and a future second to the Texans, and you bring in Dwayne Brown. Maybe you bring in a guy off the street uh, who you might have contacted this week, but you just didn't have enough time to prepare. Elliot, remember, it was Monday night, so it's not right. like Jason Peters went down on a Sunday and you had a full week to prepare. They didn't practice again until Wednesday. So to bring somebody in who's not familiar with your system after going through practice on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and they didn't even practice on Wednesday. They had Wednesday right. off. So I look at this as a stopgap measure for one week, and if Vitae is fine, okay, you've solved your problems. But if he struggles, I don't think that they're committed to or married to either Vitae or Taylor Hart at this well, point. Well, and I think I think specifically on Sunday, it would surprise me if Taylor Hart is even active. Just I be- agree. Just because I think Sam Lalo is going to be the backup tackle. But the only point I'm making, and I see your point about him knowing the system, but the ultimate point is this team is not in a position right now to be signing developmental players. And if you look, I mean, there are 52 roster spots right now. They tried to sign reportedly um, from an ESPN reporter. I forget the guy's name. I think it was a cow, the cow, their Cowboys Todd reporter. Archer. Todd Archer. He said that they, the, the Eagles tried to sign um, – it was a tight end slash fullback off of the Cowboys yep. practice squad. Yep. That's a bit of an interesting decision. I mean, I would think they would view him more as a fullback, and this is more of a pass protection type move than signing a guy. I mean, I know the Eagles at tight end, and you talked about it with doing your mock drafts. They're going to need to draft a tight end because Trey Burton's probably gone, and Brent Selleck is is probably going to be cut or maybe even retire. Who knows what he'll end up doing. But it's unlikely. I would say it's unlikely both of those players are back. So then you do need a tight end. But I think that's a move made more, had they made it, and they would have gotten the tight end. I think that would have been more about getting a blocking fullback than it would have been about uh, about actually getting a tight end w- with with potential. Yeah, no, I, I agree with all that. But I, I, I just think that to bring somebody in, whether it's Brandon Allen off the street, whether it's uh, Will Beatty off the street, there were veteran options. I just don't think they had the time to get him ready for this but Sunday. But is Taylor Hart ready? That's my point. I, I think that he's he on knows their emergency the emergency list because he, he knows the system and he right. was here. They're not. I don't think they're, they're looking for him to start. And worst case scenario, he's active as a backup and Chance Warmack is down. So to me, I don't think they brought Taylor Hart in here to solve any problems. They brought him in here as a body who knows the system to get by for one game. Right. And I think that this Sunday's their evaluation period about whether or not they need to get desperate and make a move and maybe even overpay to bring in a tackle in a trade like a Dwayne Brown, like a Joe Staley, or make a free agent signing for a veteran who is a free agent on October 30th, probably not going to be a game changer for you, but at least somebody who's more competent than Vitae. All right, well, let's talk about that a little bit. So, like you said, the trade deadline is Tuesday. Um, we'll see how Vitae plays this Sunday against a, pr- a pretty decent Niners pass rush, like you said. Um, let's just say he doesn't play well. It's part of me. Let's just say he doesn't play well. How much are you willing to pay? I mean, here before we start this debate, let's just give the listeners a little background. So the Eagles, according to the NFLPA website, have around $5 million in capital. Maybe it's like 5.8 or something like that. Now, one, that's not a lot of money. 
But two, the Eagles are in a position where they really need any salary cap space they have to roll over in the next offseason because according to Over the Cap, which isn't official, but they are very good, the Eagles have around $6 million in cap space projected for the 2018 offseason. So you have the $6 million, which isn't a lot, but then you have the $5 million that could roll over from this year. That brings you to $11 million. And you might ask, all right, well, why does that matter now? Because if you trade for an offensive tackle now and he adds 2 or $3 million onto your payroll, that's money that's also coming away from you this next offseason. So Joe Staley, I believe his cap hits around $9 bucks this year. But the Eagles are only getting him roughly halfway through the year. So I, when I did the math, it looked to me like if they trade for Joe Staley – um, we can debate whether that, you know, him as a player, obviously I think he's better than Vitae at this point. He is 33. Um, but I'm all right with trading for a tackle at 33. If you think you're going to get great play out of him this year and great play out of him next year, cause you don't know what you're going to have from Jason Peters next year. And if Vitae's not the answer, then you have a major hole at tackle. And I think this is a win now team because of how well Carson Wentz is playing. But my only, my thing is giving up this cap space is a big deal because there's a lot of players you have to sign and, and other holes in the team you, to, you need to address this offseason. No, I, I, I agree with that, and I think that ultimately the long-term answer here, once they have another offseason to prepare them, is to move Lane Johnson to left. Mm-hmm. You're not going to do that midseason. You're not going to break up with Jason Peters going down. You're not going to limit yourself and worsen yourself at two tackle positions on a short week, right? So right. that's why Lane's not moving over. That's why I would doubt, barring some sort of disaster this Sunday and your inability to bring in a veteran, I would doubt that you see Lane Johnson move to left tackle at any point this year. But mm-hmm. going into the offseason, think back to this summer. When Jason Peters was out, they had Lane Johnson on the left side and Vitae on the right. So they began that process of preparing Lane to move over to left tackle. So I think ultimately you're going to move him to that side next year with Jason Peters no longer being here. And Peters not being here is going to free up a little bit of cap space for you. So I don't know that I'd go crazy bringing in a high-priced tackle. But if it comes down to Brandon Allen costing $3.5 million and Joe Staley costing five and a half. Well, that five and a half from Joe Staley, is that not offset by what you'd be freeing up losing Jason Peters? Well, you're assuming they're going to cut Jason Peters. I mean, Jason Peters— I don't think he's coming back. Well, but, but the thing is, prior to them giving him that three, the, three year, the new contract that extended his uh, current deal by a year, they would have cut him this offseason. They would have saved $12 million. And so then you're sitting here and you're saying, okay, you're going to cut him. But let's not forget, when they gave Jason Peters this new deal, you know, he talked about how potentially he would move into— play guard maybe about how he wanted to be an eagle for life how close he is with jeffrey laurie i'm not saying the eagles let emotions get the better of them but i do think they play a factor but also the cap related impact now is if you if you would have cut jason pierce before the deal you would have had one million in dead money right now you're looking at almost five i think it's five or six million i mean his cap hit for next year which is going to be around 11 i think is basically cut in half with dead money and savings so right there there is that six million and joe staley's five you're netting out about the same you are, but my point is you're also adding five. And you, I guess my point is you're leaving a lot of dead money on the books. Now, Howie might not care about that. He's had a lot of dead money on the book on the books this year and the right. previous year. He might not care. My only point is that you know whenever me and you go over guys are going to cut, the two things you look at are cap savings and, and dead money. And, I mean, Peters now is a dead money guy where he's going to leave a considerable amount on the books if they do decide to cut him. So there is that. I mean, look, if you want to tell me I'll give you Jason Peters and – uh, I get Joe Staley, and I, I, yeah, I mean, you give up a fourth round pick or a fifth round pick. I see that point. I'm just not so sure they're going to cut Peters. So, 
in that instance, if you bring in Joe Staley, you're basically cutting your salary cap space, or at least your projected salary cap space, in half. Now, granted, they'll make moves to cut guys, but then you have to fill those holes, and they have to pay the rookies. So the cap situation for next year is not good. And they they don't have a second-round pick or a third-round pick at this point, and, and right. barring some sort of miracle. Three fourth-round picks, though. Right. So, so maybe you turn two of those fourth-round picks into a third-rounder. I, right. I don't, And they don't have a lot of tradable assets, unless you're going to tell me they're going to trade Jason Kelsey, which is unlikely now, given your lack of depth up front. Kendricks. Kendricks, he might be able to deal, but you could have dealt him last. Well, let me ask. Let me ask you this really quick. And you got nothing. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. So there's a, you know, um, I can't think of Dante uh, Hightower from New England. He just is out for the year apparently with a torn pec muscle. A few uh, writers up in New England have speculated maybe uh, Kendricks is a guy that the Patriots could go after. Would you consider trading him to the Patriots at, at this th- point? At this point, I don't think you can because you've lost Jordan Hicks. And if you mm. trade if you trade Michael Kendricks, then you're left with Najee Good. You're left with Joe Nate Walker. Gary, Joe Walker. None of these guys are proven to be able to play on the outside or thriving in nickel. Mm-hmm. When you've seen Michael Kendricks play a role in this team, particularly when they go to nickel packages, that you're going to need him now. If you told me that Jason, that Jordan Hicks was healthy, uh, fine. I, I would ship Michael Kendricks off for a third or a fourth round pick or whatever I can get from New England because you are so short on assets mm-hmm. going into this offseason. But I, if, if this is a team that has Super Bowl aspirations – I don't think that you can weaken yourself further at linebacker where you have very little depth to begin with. And if Nigel Bradham goes down or if Najee Good goes down, you're staring down the barrel at a converted safety in Nate Gary playing meaningful snaps or Najee Good playing meaningful snaps. And I don't think that that's a situation that this team should feel comfortable with. Well, the only – yeah, I agree. I agree the 100%. The only um, thing I would add to that – is we got like if you're an Eagles fan and you got if you're the Eagles you got to think about the future too here. I mean, look, I like I, I said at the beginning of the podcast, I think Jordan Hicks is a phenomenal player. Coming back from a torn Achilles is not easy, and this is now a guy that has missed a ton of time. I think by by the time this season's over, he will have missed uh, roughly I think a little like forty percent of his games in the NFL. Um, this is a second season-ending injury. He's missed a lot of time this year already prior to that, and you have to ask yourself going into next year. A is Hicks going to be the same player, and B can I count on him? And that's yeah. why if, if like look if Kendrick plays really really well these next eight or nine games, then I think you know you go into next year feeling confident about him and feeling questionable about Hicks, and you end up keeping Kendricks. And you know that we've had this discussion before off the podcast. There's a lot of guys now that we thought they were going to cut that maybe you don't cut anymore. Jason Kelsey, Michael Kendricks, uh, Jason Peters, obviously. Well, I guess maybe because of injury, but at least it's not the same cap ramification. So right. a lot's changed. And when it comes to Kendricks, I agree. I mean, look, if New England blows you out the water, I would if do it. If they offer you a second-round pick, then then you drive Michael Kendricks to Foxborough. Right. But I don't think that that's no, going to be yeah, the offer. And I think that you need to start thinking about not necessarily life after Jordan Hicks, because clearly he's going to come back and, and he's a young player. Right. But you need depth. And, you know, looking ahead to the draft, I'd keep an eye on Jason Cabinda and Malik Jefferson. They would be two middle linebackers who I think would be pretty decent fits in this scheme. And they're both pretty good leaders. They both have good noses to the football. And, and I think that you look at this team moving forward, all of a sudden, two positions that you thought would be luxury positions, you should try to fill in at at running back and some other depth spots, maybe wide receiver on your team. You have to start moving offensive tackle and linebacker higher up your board in terms of lists of needs going into the draft. So while we're on this topic, it seemed like you were going to say you thought that the loss of Hicks was bigger than the loss of Peters. I, Am I right in saying that? I, I th- I'll, I'll say this. 
I don't think that we can just dismiss the loss of Jordan Hicks. No, Because we no. saw mid-game, we saw the the Redskins do a really nice job freeing up Chris Thompson on a little delayed screen right over the middle of the field on a bit of a wheel route, which was taken up right in the area that Jordan Hicks usually occupies and plays very well. And I think that you're going to see teams, just like defensive coordinators, are going to overload and put exotic blitz packages on the right on the left side of the line to try and confuse and overwhelm Vitae. I think you're going to see teams attack the middle of the Eagles defense, and you're going to have to change the way you play. Because I, I don't know that I trust Najee Good or Joe Walker to be quite as good in coverage as Jordan Hicks, and you're going to have to play a lot more nickel, mm. which means you're going to have to bring Malcolm Jenkins closer to the line of scrimmage, which she excels at, by the way, and Monday night was clinic put on by Malcolm Jenkins in terms of being a slot corner or or a a nickel defensive back, but again, that means you're going to have to throw Corey Graham out there or Jalen Watkins out there, and I know that you can hide it potentially a little better than a left tackle, but I I don't think that this is a minor loss for this team. I think ultimately both of these injuries might wind up costing them at least one game. Yeah, I think it's a loss for sure. I just think if you said to me, all right, you can have one back if you know the NFL gods or the medical gods came to me and said, all right, the Eagles can have either Jason Peters or Jordan Hicks back. Now, there's an argument to be made for Jordan Hicks simply because he's a foundational player for this team. But I do think on the field this year, the loss of Jason Peters is a bigger one. But So let's 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 talk about this upcoming game um, a little bit. So obviously this Sunday, the, I think one thing that could potentially play a factor and I think it's the weather. I mean, that sounds stupid to say, but it's going to be pouring rain. Um, It's going to be 35-mile-an-hour winds. That always, to me, seems to be the advantage for the underdog because it evens the playing field a little bit. Um, And I do think, speaking of injuries, one thing that that could impact is Ronald Darby and whether or not he comes back. So we're recording this on a Friday. The Eagles have not yet released their injury report for the weekend. I'm guessing Darby is going to be listed as questionable. He was limited in practice throughout the week. Um, I don't think he's done any team stuff. He hasn't talked, so we're not really aware of what he's done exactly. But I think the chances of him coming back this Sunday are pretty slim. Just because of the – I mean, one, I don't think he's 100% healthy. But two, I don't think you put him out there in potentially very sloppy conditions coming back from an ankle injury. Yeah, I think they're being – rightfully cautious with this one and I know that the matchup of Jalen Mills against Pierre Garçon might not be a great one but if I'm the Eagles if I can take an extra week to get by I'm going to take that extra week because I don't think that you necessarily need Ronald Darby this Sunday. Now, when you go up against Emmanuel Sanders next week, that might Mm -hmm. be a totally different story. Um, So if I can take an extra week of limiting Ronald Darby and potentially getting him back, even if it's towards the middle of next week practicing in a full capacity, that's fine. I would even be, be tempted to sit him out the next two games, get him through the bye week, and go, go ahead to the Cowboy game and put him out there when he's 100% at full strength. Yeah, I mean, I've always said week 11 since this first happened. Uh, I just think that's a good time. I mean, look, they said uh, four to six weeks. That was an ugly injury. And this is a guy that, you know, is two or three weeks removed from still being in a wheelabout. So I think week 11 has always kind of been the time frame for me. Um, so Darby's unlikely to play. I mean, even if he does – I think he helps, but I don't think he goes out there and he's not going to play 100% of the defensive snaps. He's going to be a role player. They'll probably yep. ease him back in at first. And with this weather, I mean, I'm not saying you let the weather completely dictate it, but I do think it's just smart to maybe sit him out another week. I think that if he's not a full participant next week and if he's inactive next week, 
then I think maybe you start to worry. Like, again, I don't mind letting him sit for the full bye week, but that's with the premise of him getting back and practicing because that's another hurdle in terms of his rehab and in terms of being closer to getting back on the field. And if he doesn't practice at all next week, then I I wonder, if he's limited again, then I wonder just how close he really is Mm -hmm. to getting back out there fully healthy. All right, so let's talk about this Niners game for a little bit. Yep. Um, I guess the first question, look, we can go, I don't think it's worth going position by position because the Eagles have advantages all over the field. I mean, the Niners, look, I will say they've played a lot of close games. Five of their seven losses have come by three points or less. So, look, I mean, this is not a team that's getting blown out. They did get blown out by the Panthers and then obviously last week by the Cowboys. But you just statistically, you look at them, 20, they're, they're 25th or worse in points scored and points allowed. They're 20th on offense in total yards. Defensively, they're, they're basically just as bad. Uh, 28th in yards allowed, 25th in passing yards. Um, rushing yards are not good. So this is not a good team. There's really no getting around it. I mean, they've already benched their quarterback. They're starting rookie C.J. Pathard. So my question to you would be, is there anything that worries you about this game? Not just – we can talk about potential trap game, but just – on the field, what worries you about? The, the only thing, and, and I started the podcast with it, Elliot, is the Eagles offensive line against the 49ers defensive line. I mean, they have first-round picks all up and down the board, and Solomon mm-hmm. Thomas already has, I believe, it's either two-and-a-half or three-and-a-half sacks this year, and he's played really, really well. He was a beast coming out of Stanford, and you have Eric Armstead, who's six foot seven, on the other side. So they have some dominant pass rushers, and, you know, that, that can level the playing field a yeah. bit. But Especially with the Eagles' offensive line. But I don't think that that's quite enough to keep this Eagles' offense in check because they're st- they've still been able to run the ball effectively the last several weeks. Carson Wentz showed you the other night that almost regardless of what opposing defenses throw at him, he's able to get out of the rush and make plays, particularly on third down. Mm-hmm. So I-, I don't know that the pass rush for the 49ers is even good enough to win the game. I just think that it's good enough to keep them from getting blown out 40-6. to six. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my, my main concern, I agree the pass rush is one. The other one I think that could potentially cause a problem for this team is Pierre Garçon. Now, the fact that it's raining and the fact they have a rookie quarterback is, is going to impact Garçon's ability to hurt the Eagles. But Garçon is a guy that has hurt the Eagles throughout his career. He's played him 11 times. He has 711 yards. He's got 65 catches and four touchdowns. So he, the Eagles have traditionally covered to, stru- to, uh, to cover him. Now, I think Jalen Mills and Russell Douglas have been playing well, but... Garcon, I mean, he has decent speed, and Mills and Douglas really don't. So right. that would be one potential uh, issue for me. And again, we I feel like we say this every week, but to shift, shift topics a little, this is a game where the Eagles' defensive line not has to win it for them, but there's no reason the Niners should score more than 13 points on this team. I mean, you can't let C.J. Bathard come in here as a rookie against a 6-1 and team that – I mean, look, they don't need to win and, and – in any way, like it's going to wreck their season. But you win this game, you're seven and one. You have the nine. You have the Broncos next week. The second half of this team schedule is tough. So, and you look at what's happening to this week down in Arlington. You have the Cowboys and the Redskins. And uh-huh. if Washington somehow wins that game, which I, I think the Cowboys win it rather easily, but if Washington wins the game. You've already swept the Redskins, and right. that, that gives you another leg up on the division that if you take care of business and you beat the Cowboys uh, you know, in Dallas after the bye week, Elliot, is, is it crazy to think, and I know I'm, I'm half kidding when I say this, the Eagles can have the division wrapped up by Thanksgiving. Yeah. I'm, no, I don't think it's that crazy. I mean, look, if they win these next two games, they're 8-1. and one. Then, I mean, you go into Dallas, you win that game 9-1, and one, and you're, at that point you'd be, what, 4-0 in the division? Yeah. 
they could do it. And these are all winnable games coming up. I mean, all right, let, let's make our predictions for this weekend because <laughs> I think we're both going to pick the Eagles. But the one thing I will say is, will it be close? Right, so we'll, we'll agree we're both going to pick the Eagles off the jump. Correct, all right, yes. We're both picking the Eagles. Yes. So now the question is how close will it be? Um, Jimmy Kemsky of Philly Voice had a good article where he talked about the times where since 2006, the Eagles have been favored by, ten, by double digits um, 10 times. And they're four and six straight up in those games, I think, or five and five or something like that. So, so they have struggled when they've been double-digit favorites. Now, 2006 was a long time ago. Obviously, Carson Wentz was – I don't even think he was at North Dakota State at that point. I mean, he was 14 or something like that. So, <laughs> But, I mean, it does say – it does speak to this team's ability to, to be a front run – you know, to be ahead and how they handle that. Yep. Uh, so I'll say this. Do they cover? 13 points. I'm doing the math on my head on what I picked. Yes, I think they cover. Do so you think they cover? Yep. See, part of me, had they not blown the Cardinals out, I would say to you I don't think they cover just because it's going to be a sloppy day. I mean, just like all these things. But, man, they really blew the, the Cardinals out. And that was a game where when I, I picked the Cardinals simply because I wanted to see the Eagles go in and beat a team that's that they're better than, that they should beat. Which and they, they did. And they did it in yep. convincing fashion. Yep. So I can't sit here right now and say, all right, this team has a letdown in them when – I've seen that they can handle situations like this. At I least just so don't know how how CJ Bethard is going to move the ball, and, and we talk about all the time right. the Eagles' defense dominating inexperienced quarterbacks. I think this is a week where they could force two or three turnovers. I think this is a week where they're going to be able to run the ball. They're going to be able to do some things offensively out of play action to neutralize that pass rush. And, and I, I think that this is another week where they're going to play ball control. Eagles are going to win the time of possession battle. And it's not just a rookie quarterback. They're starting a rookie tight end who was his, his teammate at Iowa. So not a lot of experience on that mm-hmm. San Francisco offense. I like Kyle Shanahan a lot as an offensive coordinator, but – he just doesn't have the horses yet, and I don't think Bethard is his long-term answer at quarterback as he builds out that team. And let's remember, last year when Kyle Shanahan was still with the Falcons and the Eagles played the Falcons here with obviously much better offensive players and a way better quarterback, the Eagles' defense shut the Falcons down. Yep. So I don't think the Kyle Shanahan thing is, is an advantage for the um, nope. for the for the Niners this Sunday. So, so what's your pick? I'm picking them, and I'm going to pick them to cover. Are just, we putting an asterisk? Or we actually, <laughs> no, no, no. It's going to match up to when the post right. goes live. Well, I don't know if it'll match up when the post goes live <laughs> with my score. We'll see what the rain looks like. But I am uh, I am going to pick the Eagles for sure to win this week. Move to 7-1, and one, and then a tough Broncos team comes in here. Yeah, I, I like the Eagles 37-13. to 13. I, I just don't know how – I don't know how San Francisco moves the football. See, I would go more like 27-14. 30, okay. 37 is a lot of points. I mean, we'll see. There's, I just – Maybe I'm making too much of the rain, and that's certainly possible. But I just think it's going to be tough to throw the ball. It's going to be mucky conditions. So getting 37 points will be tough. But look, C.J. Bathard could throw three pick sixes. I mean, he is not good, and the Eagles right. defense is great at creating turnovers. So, all right, so we both pick in the Eagles, not surprisingly. And I guess we'll, uh, we'll do the Instant Reaction podcast on um, – on Sunday, but before we get out of here, I forgot that it is Fan Friday. Yes, it is, <laughs> and, and the reviews are piling up. My I know we are. Let me let me reload this right now. We're at 170 this morning when I looked. Yeah, we're at 170. Um, a lot of good reviews. I appreciate everyone that's doing it. We're up to four and a half average rating here. I want to get to five. Should, get should to we five. read out a couple? Yeah, let's read out a couple. So one that I like here is from it says debating atmosphere. Okay, God J Havoc, decent name, five stars. He said, "I love the debating atmosphere with." I love the debating atmosphere with different points of views. Great podcast. There I think go. that's a good one. That's what we want. I like it. I like right. it. Uh, let me just try to um, – all right. Keeps me connected in NC by username 
Michael Van Patter. ESP won me over, didn't like him to begin with. Oh, man. He's fair and smart, <laughs> but it's hard for Matt to make a positive statement and let it be. He loves to chase it with, quote, it worked this time, but what if, dot, 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 unquote. Still like him, though. Keep up the good work, fellas. I like the review. Good stuff out of Michael there, but that's called analysis, my man. We're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna wave pom poms and, and I think we've been fairly positive and fairly fair with this team every step of the way. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we're both picking them this week. So, yep. all right, we appreciate everyone that, that's been leaving the reviews. Like I said, we're at 170. I want to get to 200 by the Cowboys game, but I might be, I might be conservative we'll at this there. point. We'll no, get there. I, we we'll might, definitely we get might there. get there by the Bronco game. No, I agree. So, But I, I would love to get there by the Cowboys game, so keep giving them. We really appreciate it. Yep, more reviews. Follow Elliot at yep. Elliot Shore Parks and follow me at Matt Lombardo PHL. Hit up our Twitter feeds. They're yep. just as fun as the podcast. <laughs> Sounds good. And we, we were debating this morning about that Kiko thing, which we don't have to get into now, but that if you enjoy the debate on the podcast, we do debate on Twitter as well. So, all right, we appreciate everyone for listening. Matt, I will talk to you and all the listeners on See Sunday. You. See you at the link.